Welcome to the Mindful Moments for Families and Schools podcast. This is Kelly Winkler, your host. If you are a parent or a teacher who would like to have a more peaceful, calm, and centered environment, then you are in the right place. In this podcast, we will learn to weave yoga and mindfulness into your daily routines to help both you and your children be able to regulate your emotions, feel connected, and be resilient. I'm excited to share these incredible tools with you, so let's get started. Welcome back to Mindful Moments for Families and Schools. This is your host, Kelly. It's Interview Thursday, and today I have on Stephanie Pinto. Stephanie is an emotional intelligent coach who specializes in helping parents to create an emotionally intelligent family culture at home. She is a certified emotional intelligence specialist, is a trained pediatric anxiety therapist, and practiced as a speech pathologist for 10 years. She supports parents in learning how to manage their emotions, frustrations, and stress so that they are happier, calmer, and connect more deeply with their kids. Stephanie also helps parents to raise emotionally intelligent kids who are self-aware and manage their emotions and behavior. She is also passionate about building kids' confidence and resilience. Stephanie coaches parents, runs regular workshops and group coaching programs. She hosts a monthly online meetup for parents, has a YouTube channel, and also writes regular blogs, all based around emotional intelligent parenting. Stephanie's rapidly growing online community is a Facebook group called Let's Raise Emotionally Intelligent Kids, where she shares insight, strategies, and tips on how to cultivate an emotionally intelligent family culture. Stephanie has such great things to share with us about emotional intelligence, so let's dive right in. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to chat. Why don't we start out by you telling us just about yourself and then how you got started in working with parents. Yeah, I would love to. Um, Thank you. So I guess I actually started out life as a speech pathologist over here in Sydney um, a few years ago. And I did that for about 10 years before I realized that I was a little bit burnt out, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. At the end of that, it's a really, it's a beautiful, but very giving um, and, and sort of giving time and energy type of profession. And um, towards the last few years of that, I had discovered emotional intelligence just online, like, you know, coming across articles, uh, reading books about it. And um, I knew it was sort of getting quite big in the um, corporate space with adults. And so I was reading about, you know, emotional intelligence for me and um, as a person, its impacts. And I was talking to my husband about it. And um, I remember thinking, why aren't we doing this for kids? Why aren't we teaching our kids these Um, emotional awareness skills and managing emotions and things like that and um, I guess growing up you know when I was a kid we didn't have it um, it wasn't taught in our schools I know now there are some amazing schools that teach mindfulness and yoga and yeah that Um, but I just remember thinking 
um, yeah, why aren't we doing this for our kids? And so I kind of weaved it into my speech pathology practice where I was working on language and communication, but mm-hmm. I started to sort of delve more into um, almost like uh, building the capacity of the parents to be able to navigate their kids' emotions, manage their behaviour. Um, I, I became trained in PBS, which is positive behaviour support. Um, mm-hmm. over here, and I just sort of really took it, um, I suppose, as a passion. And, yeah, as I was feeling a bit burnt out towards the end, I took the jump and became uh, certified as an emotional intelligence coach and re- weaved in that experience with the families and the kids um, into being becoming um, a parent coach in terms of emotional intelligence. So a bit of a journey. Yeah, I love it. I always love hearing people's journey because mine's the same. I started out in education and, and then sort of weaved my way towards yoga and mindfulness and working with uh, schools and teaching mindfulness in schools and then work now working with parents and families. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. It's how we evolve and, Mm. Our focus changes. So I love yeah. it. Yeah. And I realized as well, once you said that, actually, I, you know, growing up, I had no awareness of my emotions. I was a people pleaser. I was a good girl. Um, it wasn't that we were taught not to talk about our emotions when we were kids. It was just, um, you know, my family are English and we're quite um, a little bit sort of proper, conservative. You know, we don't talk about mm. mushy stuff. Um and so I learned girl and to people please and to do um, what would help others and not and not sort of put my own um, emotions or just not even be aware of them, but not put them first. And that basically snowballed into um, anxiety when I was a teenager and even into my 20s, my first um couple of jobs as a speech pathologist it got so bad that I would if I was nervous or anxious my fight or flight response was that I would faint on the ground oh wow and my body just went nope too much um or my brain I should say and it took me out of the knees and um it happened in school but in job interviews and I just I just thought what is happening I had no awareness I I went to see doctors and neurologists I didn't realize I couldn't believe it (laughs) now looking back I think it's because I had zero awareness or emotional management. I didn't have any coping skills, had no tools or strategies. And um, so that's also why I think we need to do this stuff for our kids. It's it's not that you have to have trauma um, as such when you were younger to or, or be explosive with your emotions and behavior as a child. I didn't have any of that. And yet not having emotional intelligence took me um, into that space where I had strong anxiety and I was fainting, <laughs> you know. In yeah. Oh my goodness. So now I think yeah. what I need to do, this is what I love doing. Um, I've just added a, a certification for being an anxiety therapist with kids, um, a program over here called the cool kids anxiety program, which was um, created by the psychologist at Macquarie university. And it's heavily research based and, and um, it's just, I think, oh, my God, why didn't I have this when I was younger? And 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Same with me. So I, I had severe social anxiety as a kid. Now they didn't of course call it that I didn't know what it was. I was just yeah. always told I was shy and I always felt very different and you know, they, I, nobody explained it to me and nobody taught me how mm-hmm. to deal with those feelings that I was having and how I just, I just thought I was so strange for not being able to speak to people and, yeah. um, you know, it just took me many, many years to actually, I didn't really put a name to what I experienced until I had my own children and they had anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is what I've been dealing with. And, you know, when I start, when we started to um, get help for my daughter, my oldest, Mm -hmm. and then we got her into some yoga and mindfulness and got her meditating and it really helped. And I was just like, why didn't I have this as a kid? And why doesn't every child have this understanding of what is happening in their body and our feelings and how we should express our feelings and all of this thing, things that would have made life so much easier had I had those skills and tools and which is what I tried to do for, for my daughter. And once I saw how it changed her, I thought that's my passion. I have to, I have to try to get these tools to, to as many kids as I can. So. Oh my gosh. If you could see, yeah. now I'm like grinning at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, we're, we're so similar. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. So what are, what are some tips you can give to parents on how to look at their child's behavior? Because I think that's a really important piece in, in parenting and how we can, can help our children deal with their feelings and emotions. Oh, yes, definitely. I think um, something that I keep coming back to and I talk about a bit is that, um, that concept of the iceberg of our kids' behaviour or emotions. It's looking at, you know, if you think of an iceberg um, floating in the ocean, you will see the beautiful Um, top of it which is floating above the water above the surface but what we don't see is the giant mass that is underneath um, almost like uh, its foundation or or underpinning and supporting that part that we see up the top so um, I talk to parents a lot about um, really just seeing your see your child's behavior as much more deep than whatever we see on the surface. We might see outbursts or um, shouting or cranky, or we might see kids being really anxious and going in would have been quiet. We need to stop looking at that surface level and and superficial level of the behaviour, thinking, come on, hurry up, you should be fine, or stop shouting, you're being so rude, or ask nicely, saying, okay, what is underneath? What There's something driving this behaviour it might be um, a, a bunch of things that are all sort of um, connected and building this emotional response. Um, maybe it's just one or two things that, you know, they've had a, a bad night's sleep or they're feeling unwell or their, fr- their friendship has just had a breakdown or they're worried about something coming up. So using that analogy I think can be really empowering to parents to think there's something more I can do rather than just t- telling off my kids or disciplining them. Um, to look a little bit deeper and see what's going on underneath that behavior. And and it does always come down to emotions and how our kids are often not emotionally aware. Um, Like I wasn't, you you need to, that that the first step, have that awareness of your emotions and see them as um, really uh, insightful, valuable pieces of information 
that tell you about your inner personal functioning. So they're giving you that data or that information, right? Yeah. Yeah, our emotions are telling us, hey, something's come up, something doesn't feel right uh, or something is making you so excited or you need to set a boundary here or something unfair has happened. So seeing these, um, seeing the behaviour as deeper than what it seems on the surface level. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I love that analogy. I always say, you know, I try to tell parents, uh, your child's behavior is is their communication to you and they can't maybe communicate the words. So they're showing you in behavior that there's something else deeper going on. Yes. And so I love that iceberg yeah. analogy. And you're right. The behavior equals communication. Even if it's, um, uh, uh, it's like unintentional, they are still mm-hmm. communicating to us something that's going on with them. It's an unmet need or um, something that they need support with. And I, I often actually, I did this this morning with another parent and I said, if we reframe their behaviour of complaining and whinging and this and that into, I can't deal with this, it's too hard, I can't cope, I don't have the skills, I need your help, don't give up on me, mm-hmm. then that makes us as parents go, oh, it's like take a step back and, and we do yes. it a different way. It just breeds some more tolerance and patience and understanding. Yeah, that's why my my big piece is like changing your mindset around your child's behavior, changing it from, oh, this is just difficult behavior or this is causing me to, you know, get frustrated and why are they always so difficult Mm -hmm. um, to what is my child trying to tell me, you know, that's going on for them right now. And I think a big piece of that is brings us to my next question about our emotions as as parents and how that plays a role mm. in, in in all of in all of this and so what 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 do you say about that that is massive um when we are when we come to an interaction with our kids from a space of like stress or overwhelm or frazzled or we or you know we, we're already um, on the back foot because we're running late for work or the zoom or the emails or something when we bring that energy and that emotion to the interaction and the dynamic, it just, everything shifts. Like kids pick up on that stuff. They are so much more energetically aware than we are. Mm-hmm. And they will, they can pick that up. Even if it's unconscious, they, um, they'll be a bit more snappy back or they will be a bit more defiant or say, well, I don't, you know, no, I don't want to do that or why. Um, so it has a lot to do with if we, you know, how well are we managing our own stress, our own emotions, our own triggers when we when we come to connect with our kids? Um, because if we're not managing our emotions and our triggers, they will catch us off guard. We will say something we regret that we otherwise wouldn't have said if we were calm. And it just turns into a, a cyclone. <laughs> yeah, total. Yeah, it's just a bad cycle that you get yourself in. And I think even sometimes before the behavior even starts, you're bracing yourself for it, right? You're, you, it's almost like you're, you're manifesting it because like you said, you're bringing this emotion already to the scenario and the kids are picking up on that. Mm. So also, I think it's, it, yeah, I love that. Um, because the kids are picking up on it, as you said, regardless of if we think or not, and we are setting the tone for them yeah. to, we're, we're sort of showing them when someone is frustrated or cranky or running late, then Shout, the, the, you know what we do is shout or what what done is shouting and getting cranky and being um, rude or aggressive or whatever so our kids are seeing how we are managing 
our stress and our triggers and being frustrated, if we go straight to shouting, smacking, um, whatever it is, putting them in time out, guess what? That's what they're going to learn when I am frustrated about my sister or brother or something. Then I'm going to go to, and, and you see it with kids who they'll come out with things like, and don't you speak to me like that. And mm. think, oh my God, that's what I say. <laughs> Yes, totally. Yes. They, they learn, they are watching every move we make for sure. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to learn more from what we're doing and than what we're saying. And, and we're, we're, how many times are we telling our kids calm down, you know, settle down, but, but they don't see us calming down or settling down they see us getting more, more and more riled up. So yeah. we, we got to set the tone for sure. That's, that's something like, I feel is like first step. Yeah first step you've hit the nail on the head because what we model is going to be way more impactful than what we are strictly trying to like teach them or explain Mm -hmm. them so I I take a bit of a two-pronged approach if I'm doing a coaching or a workshop or anything I say guys you've got to understand yes we can teach our kids about recognizing their emotions being able to understand where they come from labeling them expressing them appropriately and regulating them But the whole other half of the coin is how we model, how we show up for our kids, how we act in times of stress or frustration um, or if things go wrong or if we make a mistake. Like you said, um, Kelly, kids are learning just from the way, just from our way of being. So that's why I always say the the work starts with us. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And and I think uh, teaching our kids to, you know, it's okay to feel all those emotions and name those emotions for ourselves too. Like, you know what? I'm feeling frustrated right now because I'm, I'm going to be late for this meeting and I'm feeling anxious or whatever it is. Like it's helpful for us to label those emotions and that helps them to, to learn about what those emotions are and that all those emotions are okay. Ooh, yes. And I, I often think that um, a lot of parents just inadvertently feel like there are good and bad emotions. It's not important yeah. to us, but we kind of feel like anger, sadness, shame, guilt. We feel like they're the bad ones. Um, and in mm-hmm. turn, things like joy and happiness and surprise and things are good. But that's a disservice to ourselves and in turn to our kids because we're teaching them it's not good to be, you know, sad or angry or embarrassed or whatever. Um, it's naughty or it's bad or you shouldn't feel like that, squash that down, put it away. And that's when I think sometimes people pleasers are born (laughs) or made um, because they don't learn that all emotions are okay. They just are. They're they're data, they're information telling us what's going on inside of us and and how we're reacting to what's going on outside um, in in our environment. So it's so sometimes I talk about teaching um, your kids that emotions come and go like the weather. So they will change. Mm. They never stay, they never hang around for too long. Um, Hey, remember yesterday when you were really upset, we, we ran out of cereal and you wanted that and you had to have toast and you were frustrated. That didn't last for very long, did it? We, you know, we got on track, we found a different way to solve the problem. You had some crumpets instead, whatever it is, like just that concept of, we will feel like this or like that sometimes, but it doesn't hang around for very long. Just like the weather, it will come and go. And um, that in itself is empowering for kids to just remember and be aware of uh, for the time. Oh, I love that. Yeah. 
I love that analogy. Yeah, I usually say like the ocean waves coming in and out, but I love the analogy of the weather. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. It reminds me of just just an interaction I just had with my six year old because we had a giant snowstorm here today, oh. so we got have like two two feet of snow, and she was so frustrated this afternoon because my husband is because of COVID working from mm-hmm. home, and she wanted him to go out in the snow with her so badly and. He was trying to explain, but, you know, I'm working. I have to finish my work stuff first. And then I promise I'm going to go out in the snow with you. And she was just so angry about it. You're here and you're choosing to work instead of play with me in the snow, you know, and we were going through this thing. And so I said to her, like, I know it's confusing. Daddy's usually in an office at work and not at home. So I know he seems like he's here and he should be able to play with you, but he really can't. And, um, so anyway, later on, he was able to take her outside. And, and um, I just said to her just before I came out here, um, she was so happy. They just came in, they got all, all uh, their wet clothes <laughs> off and she was smiling ear to ear. And I said, wow, your day really turned around, didn't what? it? You feel so different now. You look so different. Your face is smiling, you know, and we were, we were talking about how, and she was like, it turned out to be a great day, you know, so <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs> that just reminded me of, of that. I love that analogy of the weather. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm so, um, I'm, I'm always so interested. I love learning about our, you know, our brains and, and our, our, how, how everything works. And I know you've, you've done so much learning about emotional intelligence and there's so much amazing research out there. What can you tell us about the research and emotional intelligence for adults and for, for children? Mm, yeah, I was, um, I was just speaking to this about a parent yesterday. The, there is so much research around not just um, emotional intelligence with adults, but what the impacts having emotional intelligence skills have on our kids. And I showed her this piece of research that is actually from the US. It was a study done quite some time ago. It's a 19-year longitudinal study completed on um, like preschool age kids when they're about five. And the, the research that they did looked at what those kids' skills were around social and emotional um, skills at that age and tracked them through into when they were in college. So over 19 years, which is pretty incredible, they found that the kids who were more like, um, who had more skills in uh, things like sharing um, some empathy, taking turns and waiting their turn, um, and those kind of social emotional skills, the kids who had higher skills in those areas, when they were in college, they were more likely to have a full-time job less likely to need um, sort of departmental governmental housing, less likely to be involved with drugs and alcohol, um, less likely to be involved with the law um, in terms of, you know, law breaking, things like that, and better able to handle um, neg- negative or unpleasant emotions like anxiety, depression and those, those um, sadness and things like that. And um, they just had overall, they would mark themselves better in well-being and happiness. Um, so I, I just, wow. I've saved that article, you know, in my research. I've thought, oh, my gosh, there's a few massive pieces of research um, that have been coming out. It's, it's really the last 20, 30 years since emotional intelligence was sort of put on the map by Daniel Goldman, um, mm-hmm. who wrote his book in the mid-90s. And, um, yeah, there is a lot of research that shows when kids have um, a, a level of emotional intelligence 
that breeds things like they are more empathetic, they have closer relationships with their parents, they are better at handling those unpleasant emotions and they, uh, you know, feeling nervous, worried, sad, angry. So they will, they have more coping strategies and don't need to turn to things like aggression or violence or um, drinking when they're teenagers um, or God forbid anything worse to manage those feelings. So there's a lot of research that just shows there's no um, negatives in teaching emotional intelligence to your kids and, and creating what I like to call an emotionally intelligent family culture because it it's a culture. It's just your way of being in the family. We talk about this, stuff, uh-huh. you know, it's yeah. not, it's not wishy-washy. It's not fluffy. Um, it's actually really valuable. Um, it makes everyone a lot happier. We all are more attuned to each other. And um, if we have mm-hmm. those little blips here and there, cause we're human, we can get on the day de- with the day mm-hmm. much more quickly. So, yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so fascinating. And I mean, it just it makes perfect sense. And it's just, it's yeah. so um, nice to know that there is research behind it that the, everybody should be teaching their kids yeah. how to be emotionally intelligent. Yeah. It's really there's, so needed. there's a couple of books, um, if anyone is interested in sort of learning or reading a little bit more about this. Um, one of them is called Permission to Feel, and that's by Mark Brackett, who's the, um, he's one of the co-founding directors of Yale University's Centre for Emotional Intelligence. They actually have a whole centre dedicated to emotional intelligence over there um, in, your, in your Yale University in the US. And so he's written a book called Permission to Feel. And um, another really good one is The Whole Brain Child by... Yes, I oh love my that book. Goodness, what is that book? Yes. Oh my goodness, I I love him. I I I have read a couple of. I also read his his teenage, Ooh. the brainstorm, um, which was another amazing book by mm-hmm. by Dan Siegel, Doctor Dan Siegel. Yeah, I I, t- I use a lot of his um you know his hand brain yeah. model <laughs> and um when I teach um. Uh, my workshops and stuff. I, I really, yeah. yeah, that's a great I love book. them. And they're so easily accessible. You can, obviously you can listen to them nowadays or I still like to read and get the actual yeah. book in my hands, <laughs> but it's simple mm-hmm. every day. Um, I think Dan Siegel makes a point of saying it's simple everyday interactions and experiences where this stuff is taught to our kids. It's not that we sit down with them and have a yeah. strict discussion. It's everyday experiences. So it just makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what, um, when I started this podcast, that's really what I wanted to bring to, to parents and to teachers to use in the classroom too. Like little, little tips that they could use in their daily routines. You don't have to sit down and spend a half an hour or 45 minutes doing a mindfulness lesson. You're just doing it in your day, you know, walking to the car or whatever, (laughs) as you're putting your shoes on, you're, you know, you're doing it in your day. Um, And that's so much more powerful than sitting down once a week for half an hour to do a mindful activity or something. And and you're Um, right. That's the the more powerful way because what we're doing is, shifting our way of being and shifting our kids way of being like it's a it's almost shifting their personality or their way of um uh, their way of kind of showing up in the world um being able to talk about the stuff and it's yeah. okay it doesn't make them feel weird 
Um, it's just on their brain and it's it's how they are as a person. So you can't, so I, I explained it the other day to a parent I was coaching. I said, like if you want to kind of learn a language or even lose weight and eat healthy, do you do it like a little bit once every week or and expect results or some change or do you do, do you make it consistent yeah. every day? You do a little bit, you keep it front of mind um, and you shift your complete way of being. So it, it's similar to that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I use that same learning the language. I use that in in one of my episodes talking about that. You know, you you learn a language much more fast, much faster when you immerse yourself in it and you have to use it every day rather than just practicing it once a week, you know. So I use that same analogy. So um, so talking a little bit about mindfulness, what do you think is uh, the connection between mindfulness and emotional intelligence? I think this one is such a strong connection because in – in mindfulness and emotional intelligence alike, we need to start at the first uh, the first stepping stone of recognizing and being aware of what is going on inside of us, um, as well as what's going on outside in our environment. So, if we can take that time to just reflect and have an awareness of what is coming up from us for us. How are we feeling? What is going on there? Uh, where are these feelings coming from? What's happened in the last few hours or the days that's made me feel like this? You know, this is the key that once we have that information, we can actually, we're better equipped to then look at some ways to express how we're feeling, regulate it, and maybe get some support around it. But if you don't have that first step of, of being mindful taking a moment, being aware and attuned to yourself and your emotions and how they're coming up in your body, then, then how are you going to do any of the rest of it? Does does that make sense? (laughs) Absolutely. That's the first step, right? I I say all the time, the first step in, in being mindful is to be, Mm. to recognize your environment, recognize your internal what's happening internally, what's happening with your emotions without judgment though. And, you know, just kind of observe and and i think for our own emotions and 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 also too for our kids that that observing what they're going through and trying to to see their emotions and um yeah that's the first step i feel like and yeah so they're so they're so connected mindfulness and yeah you you, you can't really have one without the other they're sort of interwoven um it makes me think think of a, um, a book i got a little while ago called the the listening walk have you heard of that one? Oh, so it's called no. the listening walk by oh um paul showers that just came to me and it's about uh it's a picture book a beautiful young girl goes for a listening walk outside in her neighborhood with her dad and she is present she is aware she's quiet she is listening for the sounds that she can hear as she goes for a walk um in her neighborhood her little doggie's toenails click click clicking the lawnmower buzz buzz buzzing Mm. um it's a beautiful story um and it ends with talking about how can we be mindful even right now after you finish reading this book um in your classroom or at home what things can you hear and how still and quiet can you be uh it's such a i'm getting chills Yeah, I just got chills. I just got chills. And I am going to look that one up because I I have a big collection of of mindfulness and yoga books and that I use in my classes. So I'm definitely going to look that one up. That sounds amazing. 
<laughs> what do you think is a good starting point for parents if they want to begin encouraging emotional mm-hmm. intelligence at home? Where do you think is a good place um, for them I think to as start? you've said, just building in some of these um, little ways to connect with your kids about talking around emotions and behavior and things like that into everyday situations. So it might be um, a really good one that I often suggest to parents is in that little snuggly time before bed. Um, sometimes that's where I have amazing conversations with my and a half year old Mm -hmm. and um we talk about um you know how you're feeling like let's check in what's been going on uh what happened today you know you can you can do things like what what things are you grateful for or let's say something great that happened something not so great um but it's literally just open like make that jump and open the conversation around how you feeling hey buddy what's going on how's today is there anything that's bugging you um you know, what are you feeling right now in your body? Um, so really just starting to get those conversations going. If it feels a little bit uh, awkward or you're not used to it, if you're a parent who doesn't usually talk about emotions and things like that, get some of those books. There are so many books out there for kids now that when you read them, um, yes, they're around emotions or um mindfulness and awareness and things like that but it just when you're holding that book reading it with your child it takes a bit of the pressure off yourself feeling like I don't really know what to say or how to start the conversation um there's a lot of great books around you know feelings feeling angry feeling nervous and anxious um being mindful the one I just talked about but sometimes those are great starting points to think you know what I'm going to grab a couple of books um we have Kmart over here as well. And there's now, I don't know whether it's because I'm just seeing them more or they actually are becoming a lot more popular, but mm. that's where I got a lot of the books around emotions and um, feelings, behavior, friendships, school, a lot of those things. So they're not just usual the usual kind of picture books anymore. They're, be- they're coming into the mainstream. So I would say that's another way that you can just take that first step. That's a yeah, that's a great tip. And and I like that tip too, because it helps the pressure off the parents. And then I think it also helps the kids because they can talk about the character yeah. of the book first, if they're not comfortable talking about their own emotions, like they can see it in the character first, and then it might make yeah. them feel a little bit more comfortable. So it's also takes your the pressure off your kids too, if they're not, if that's not something that yeah. they're and they can, you know, about. kids will automatically think of how they feel, they would feel or how they would help a friend. Um, even though you're talking about characters in a book, mm-hmm. you know, and we say things like, oh, what should that person do? Or why is this character feeling that way? They automatically, they bring that frame of reference back to themselves. So you're getting those cogs turning or planting seeds and that's all you need to do to start off plant some of those seeds get them to start thinking about it and then um as that grows you know down the track in a couple of weeks time you might hear them pop out with hey mom you know can I talk to you I'm feeling this or um you know this has come up it happened at school today so this is this is where it begins yeah you give them the vocabulary Mm -hmm. and then eventually they're able to to bring it up on their own. I always like to ask for a favorite experience. So, so for you, it's, it, I guess, with parent coaching, do you have a, a story that you'd like to share where you saw like a great transformation once people have implemented I do, emotional yes. intelligence? I, um, 
I have a, oh, I had, sorry, a family who was Australian, but they, they are expats and they moved out to Colombia. And so um, I do my work on Zoom anyway. And um, we were talking during one of the last kind of sessions and uh, she said, so she had two kids and her daughter was, I would say about 12, I think it was. And she said, you know, we've been homeschooling for a while. It's getting the best of us kind of thing. And she said, but the other day, um, my we were in the in the kitchen and my daughter was getting really upset with her work that she was having to do and she started kind of blowing up shouting saying i hate this i'm not going to do it um and kind of her her mum was taking some of the hits you know what i mean like you know why do you make me do this that kind of thing mm-hmm. and she said the old me would have risen up over over that shouting and and almost said you do not speak to me like that like who do you think you are you know get it done you know you have to do that she would have tried to contain it that way right um but that would have ended and it did used to end in mm-hmm. power struggles and tears and the whole day would be wiped you know everyone would their energy would just be zapped and she said I actually was so proud of myself in that I just paused and I waited and we talk about holding space for our kids when they're going through something um and she said I just sort of I just waited and I let her release that emotion because emotions are energy in motion right you've got to let them release that sometimes and just let them have that um vent yes uh and and she knows she knew you know to have boundaries in place if that if she was getting aggressive or physical it's not saying oh you can do whatever you want but allow that emotion to be released mm-hmm. and then she said before i said anything my daughter stopped and she kind of ran out of gas and she came over to me sat mm-hmm. on my lap and hugged me and she was like, I'm sorry, mum, I shouldn't have shouted. This is just really hard and I don't like it. And and in a way her daughter went through that wave um, or that, you know, weathered, weathered those emotions and she came back down to an equilibrium, like back on track. And and her mum was like, I didn't even say anything. You know, I didn't, but I didn't um, arc mm. up and get all angry and try and shut that down. Um, you know, it's, it's not to say that every time, her daughter would have those great emotional regulation skills. But even if she didn't, um, the mum said, I I managed those triggers. I wasn't the old me. I waited, I held space and I was ready to sort of work it out with her. But she she calmed down, she apologised and we worked through it. And then within 10 minutes, they were on with the rest of their day. Like it's, it's beautiful once you um, yeah. just start uh, opening this, window I suppose of um, looking at things a bit differently looking at the iceberg seeing that you can uh, navigate these things in another way that is going to be a lot more beneficial for for the kids and you yeah yeah totally and and usually I I say you know sometimes with as parents we're so goal oriented right like you have to sit down for school. It's school is starting. And you know, you have to, your teacher's going to be waiting for you to turn on the thing. You know, we get all like, you know, so focused on the goal of getting them to do what, what it is that they need to do quote unquote. And we forget that if we just Mm -hmm. hit pause for a second, you know, or a few seconds and we can just like take a different look at the situation, even though we feel like, we're not getting to our goal because we're, we're not go, going along with the process of sitting down and getting the shoes on and getting in the car or whatever it is that we're doing. We end up yeah. 
it ends up being a lot faster if we can just hit pause for a second and let everything settle down and let, yeah. like you said, give the space for them to feel the emotion and, and give them the space to, to work it out. Sometimes they can work it out on their own, but yes. I think sometimes we don't give them oh, the opportunity to. And, and it's, it's right. Sometimes we need to just let right. go of the goal, let go of the desired perfect outcome and just be present yeah. in this space because it will come. It will, you know, the, the storm will pass kind of thing, but we don't, we can let go a bit of the attachment to fix it. Like, shush, shush, shush. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Be, you should be okay. Um, don't be so angry. Whatever it is, like let go of that and just take one or two or five extra minutes, mm -hmm. but then you're, you, you know, it pays dividends for the rest of the day because we're back on track and kids can then pay attention yes. and learn their calm. Um, and as well for years to come, because you're shaping their brain in the way that, yep, things happen, things bubble over, but we can get back on track. We can apologize, repair, and it doesn't have to make the rest of the day or the week um, off balance, you know. Yeah, I love it. Well, do you have anything coming up that you want to share with our listeners? Any classes or things that you would yes. like to Yes, um, at the moment offer? I'm planning a class online on Zoom, a class for parents who have anxious and sensitive kids. So um, I can put information up um, around when that's happening. And I'm going to run, I run sort of classes and workshops regularly throughout the year on parenting with emotional intelligence managing big emotions and challenging behaviors. Um, and this particular one coming up is on uh, sensitive and anxious kids. Um, and I also run every, every three months or so, I run an eight week group coaching program for parents, which is all around how we can raise emotionally intelligent kids. And um, of course that starts with us becoming uh, more intelligent, emotionally intelligent parents as well. So lots of um, options. <laughs> Yeah, agree. I, I will um, link your website in the show notes. And where else yeah, can our uh, listeners connect with yes. you? Yes, um, so I'm social mostly media. on Facebook. You guys can find me just under Stephanie Pinto. Um, I also run a Facebook group called Let's Raise Emotionally Intelligent Kids. So I'm always putting out information, tips, strategies, and resources and things there. Uh, and I have a YouTube channel just under Stephanie Pinto where I put out little nice, um, short, easy clips of um, raising emotionally intelligent kids as well. So you can find me there too. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me and taking the time out to give us all this amazing information about emotional intelligence. <laughs> you are it was really so great more than welcome you. because I know we had some mishaps with me and timing and I am really grateful. No one will know, <laughs> but now they do. <laughs> so a huge, huge thank you. I'm really grateful <laughs> for you having this, um, this platform and giving me the opportunity to come on and, and waffle on about what I love. So <laughs> Uh, well, I love it just as much. So Thanks. thank you. It was a great, great conversation. Well, that was such a great conversation with Stephanie. She had so many important things to teach us about emotional intelligence. Here are some takeaways. Everyone needs emotional intelligence and tools to regulate their emotions. Our children's behavior is the tip of the iceberg. Look deeper and you will find the foundation or the cause of that behavior. 
behavior almost always comes down to emotions. Emotions are a piece of information about us. Behavior equals communication. If parents are not managing their own emotions, we can just escalate a situation with our children. There are no good or bad emotions. They're all human. Increased emotional intelligence at younger ages leads to more healthy coping strategies later in life. Mindfulness is the first step to emotional intelligence. Emotions are energy in motion. They need to be released. It was so great speaking with Stephanie and I resonate with so much of what she had to say. I hope that you all enjoyed that episode. Thank you for joining me on my mission to spread peace and joy by introducing children and families to the power of yoga and mindfulness. I could not achieve this goal without all of you listening and trying these tips with the kids in your life. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please subscribe and leave me a review. If you would also suggest this podcast to parents and teachers, I would be so grateful. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mindful Moments for Families and on Facebook at Kidding Around Yoga with Kelly. For more information on my offered programs, such as yoga classes for children and adults, workshops and professional development, and corporate chair yoga, visit my website at kiddingaroundyoga.com backslash Kelly. I'll see you all here on our next episode. But in the meantime, remember, take a deep breath.